This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hi, Gary V. Hi. I love seeing you. Love I'm seeing so you happy too. for you. Good to see you. Okay, give us the update in, on Gary V's world. Like, what's happening? What are you working on? You've got a new book. There's um, always a lot going on. I think right now, trying to balance how intense V Friends, my NFT project, yep. and how explosive the VaynerX Holding Co. Balancing being CEO of two companies of that size is a new challenge. Yep. I've done it before with Wine Library. Yep. When I kind of left my dad's business, it was so emotional. It was my baby, it was my family business. I'd been there forever. And we were just starting VaynerMedia, me and AJ, my brother. And so I, from 2009 to 2011, I definitely ran both those yep. businesses. But the size of both those businesses were much smaller than what I'm dealing with right now. Um, plus, it's the moment in Web3, mm -hmm. meaning you know, there's only these 12 to 36 month windows where the whole industry is shaping in front of you and there's a lot of good getting during mm -hmm. that time, mm -hmm. right? Investing, yeah, If you talent. can get in early. Timing matters yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So just, just trying to balance that, I think is really intense and challenging and exciting. Um, and then, you know, what's, what's actually being affected by that, because it's really, a lot of time and effort is I'm producing a hair less content than I have over the last six years. Do so, your fans notice it? I'm not sure. I haven't seen too many comments, but my output that I believe in so much, you know, I, I do believe that quantity is very underrated mm -hmm. in social media That's content right. um, is down. Um, on the flip side, me and my team are really, really pushing the envelope to try to make every post have more oomph. Um, and so, you know, trying to figure out how to balance the content output, that mm -hmm. really brings me a lot of joy. You know, I think, for me, I, I've realized in the last three or four years that speaking and the Gary B thing has a lot more to do with the legacy, the DMs of like, I mean, the post I posted on the way yeah. here. Guy comes up to me at the secret wine party at the Super Bowl and tells me like, you got me out of debt. Like, if you watch that clip, that is a 40-year-old man yeah. who clearly had a lot of weight on his chest yeah, for 20 years and like four pieces of content changed the outcome of his life. That's a high. Yeah, that I think you that's where you get your energy. 100%, I can't replicate that of like a good NFT flip or yeah, yeah. landing a $10 million account. And so um, just balancing that. Okay, and at this stage in your life, like what are you still learning? What do you feel like you've mastered and what do you feel like you're still learning? That's a good question. Um, what am I, I'm, I'm still learning about myself. You know, in the new book, I talk about candor. I mean, it, it took me, you know, what's crazy for people watching this is Gary Vee's biggest strength is candor. Mm -hmm. But I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to the world. And thus, I'm not hurting Dustin's feeling or Johnny's feelings or Susan's feelings. Um, as an operator for 20 plus years, I did everything I could to fix a situation without telling somebody they stunk. Are you conflict avoidant? Yes. I'm, but what made me build big businesses was not at 12.01. Okay, got it, yeah. At 11.59 I was, yes. at 12.01 I wasn't. I would always do the thing that the business needed. You had to get, you got it done. But, but it was you so, took you. It's, it was so, and what I learned and why I wrote about it was, it was so sloppy from 10.30 p.m. Yeah, to 12.01. That's right, and the angst and the And so inertia. what would happen, it, you know, really how it started was, I was reading a Facebook group of former employees and there was enough people in there that were not loving me. 
And I kind of just like read it and looked at it and I was like, this is a problem. It's time I fix this. I know who I am. I have no ill will. I only have deep love for my employees. I don't value the money enough to be, why am I in this situation where these people don't feel great towards me and they've worked for me? It's one thing when like Johnny Pants 47 leaves mm-hmm. a comment and says, you're full of shit. Yeah, yeah. That means nothing. You're like, shut up. Yeah, in the same way that somebody says you're the goat and they don't know you, you can't go high or low if you don't know somebody. But when I'm reading somebody who worked for me for 19 months and I feel like I had interactions with them and I know how I run Vayner and they're like, fuck Gary, I'm like, fuck. And when I kind of really dissected it, all of the people that were not pumped all had sloppy exits. Whether we slash I got them to quit yeah. Through them subtlety. feeling it, uh-huh. yeah, subtlety. Or they were pushed out. On Thursday, I would see them in the hall and be like, "Karen, keep rocking it." Yeah. And on Monday, we're like, "You gotta Karen's go." Karen's gone. Yeah. And like that was a real shortcoming. And so I talk a lot about it. And I talk about how I put the word "kind" in front of candor, and it shifted everything for me three, four years ago. I just, I just can deal with it mm-hmm. more. I can deliver it more, um, and and I practice it more and. And it's made substantial, I mean, mm. VaynerX's revenue, business, the P&L, is dramatically stronger today because its CEO got better at candor. Yeah. Yep. It trickled down. My greatest belief is that a leader's number one goal is to eliminate fear. Hence why it was hard for me to say, Sally, you know, you're really not doing well and we're gonna need to get this better. My thought was, Sally leaves my office, goes and gets upset, Johnny go, Johnny leaves my office, goes and gets upset, gets scared, goes on LinkedIn and starts up thinking. Yeah, shit's all over, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I, I feel like candor leads to fear and that's how I saw it for a long time and that's wrong. But, but the reason I don't call it candor in the book and call it kind candor is what I know for a fact is over the last 25 years, I've witnessed unlimited inside of my companies or the hundreds of companies I've invested in that people use candor as an excuse to be mean. Mm. Managers and bosses use, well, I'm just helping you, but they shit all over you. Yeah. Their, their bedside manners are atrocious. And even though they're helping you, you leave you know, demotivated stunned, and, demotivated, yeah. shook, and you're out the door. So I know that people have a lot of other traits that I talk in this book that are their halves, mm-hmm. right? That they're not great at patience, sure. which I think is essential to yep. success. They're not wonderful at empathy. They can't feel for other people. They only think about what's in it for themselves. Uh, and that's why I wrote the book. And I think what I've also recognized in my world is over the last three or four years, my relentless push on like, be nice, but that's alpha and you can like dominate. Mm-hmm. Like for the barstool crowd, like barstool boys that DM me that I can clearly see use different language, use different mm-hmm. content. Think about how they're gonna build their thing differently that's amazing. That mm-hmm. feels like a huge accomplishment. And I think it's time once and for all that we talk about what it is to be a leader and build a big business. And I don't think nice guys finish last. Yeah. And I don't believe you need sharp elbows. And I don't think it's, you gotta be nasty. I have no idea why anybody would verbally dress down an employee in a conference room with other employees in there. There is no logical fucking sense whatsoever to ever do that. How would you manage that though? Because I think one of the things that's hard, first of all, what I love about your book is that you're, historically in management, it's only the hard skills that have been valued. And what you're 
really saying is that your PL benefits from soft skills and the soft skills are what are actually are, hard. Are, are, I can are find correct. unlimited people that know how to use Excel, correct. unlimited people that can sell shit. Right, unlimited. and it can, I, yeah. I can find unlimited yeah. hard skills. Show me somebody who can be the bigger woman when somebody comes nasty at them and I'll show you somebody I want to hire. So how do you manage that? Because I'll give you an example. We have a lot of young managers here. Yes. And one of the things that our group struggles with is we drive all over the road. So it's either too kind or not yep, uh, conflict avoidant in being friends, right? I want It's like a bad parent. I want to be friends with my kid. I want to be friends with my employee. Yeah, because they're all the same age dicks. and they hang out. Like I right. have the same thing at Vayner. I'm like, hang, being friends is like the least of my concern. There's all sorts of like other dynamics uh, that come 100%. with young people. Yeah. You know, like, um, uh, I think it's I think it's this whole conversation. I mean, this is why I wrote the book. I just lived it for the last 13 years. I we went from 30 to 450 people in like three and a half mm-hmm. years. I the, I then look at the PL one day because I usually don't. I'm just on pure offense. Yeah, yeah. I I let the finance team and my brother was really involved in it, but my brother had left now. And six months later, I'm looking and I'm like, something's off. And we were just not in a good cash flow place. Mm-hmm. We weren't running the best business. So I sat. I created an offsite immediately, and I sat down with all the leadership team, and I was and I was like, wow, you know. The team, my leadership team's a little delusional on the money side because we've been driving so much revenue. Yeah. When you go from three to like yeah. ninety million, you only seconds, chase vertical yeah, growth. Yeah, nobody, we've been nobody's, this. nobody's yeah. paid attention. Yeah, and and I was like, hey. So anyway, long story short, I, I break down the whole company in a two-day period, and I realized, fuck, between project management and account, there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let's really restructure. And in that restructure, from 35 to 600 people, we're gonna let go of 22 people. Mm-hmm. 22. I think that this is like actually phenomenal because really it should have been 100, right. but I didn't want to shake the company up. Yep. So I let go of 22 people. We do an offsite to explain, like immediately after we do an all hands-on meeting and I think it's gonna be like, Gary's such a great leader, it's so awesome. He's, he's doing the right thing for the company. This fucking company, this is six years ago, starts throwing tomatoes at me. Yeah. Like, how could you? What the fuck and this and that. And I remember, like, Lee, which I loved because I felt like, okay, we have a good culture where people aren't scared to express their feelings. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the big win. But I went into my office and I'm like, motherfucker, I've created entitlement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go through these journeys. You're, you know, kids managing their friends is awfully hard. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it becomes personalities, yeah. right? Some of your best managers skew too far, I mean, too far the other way. Right. You're trying to teach some people like, no, you gotta manage a yeah. little bit. And then, but you can't point to other Sally people. or Ricky yeah. over here who are completely dick faces about it. Correct. And so you're just always yeah. trying. I, I think a lot about purple these days. So America has become incredibly red and blue and everyone's dug in. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where I think people have changed their opinions on issues just to be fully aligned with one side yeah, or the other. Yeah, it's identity politics. That's yep. right. But all the answers are purple. Of course, I don't know everything a, is I actually gray. don't know a single person. The most left woke, the most conservative, conservative Carl. None of them are fully red or blue. All the answers are purple. And and this book talks about the purpleification mm-hmm. of business, which is until you realize the soft skills are minimum, in my opinion, equal to the hard skills, I take the point of view that the soft skills are actually the hard skills and emotional strength is remarkably rare 
and and needs to be fast tracked in management. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think what's hard about soft skills is that soft skills require you to not only think about the person, but also manage your own ego in the process. Oh, like when you think about this, number 11, humility is impossible. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the great things for everybody who's watching, because we're talking a little bit about management right now, but this is written for entrepreneur, employee. One of the scenarios in this book is you and your friend mm-hmm. are both in the same department. You are best friends and they get the promotion and you don't. That has ruined a lot of great friendships. Why? Both of you are gonna move on to different companies anyway. Yeah. Why would you burn a You're bridge? You're not the same person. Yeah, it's like at 24 when Sally gets in, not you, but you've been awesome friends since college for two years because you met at the office a year in your living together. This is all stuff that I'm sure re- resonates very well with in here because yeah. our companies have had similar paths. What? Like, like you don't have the humility to be, first of all, I talk about something very important. A human being made a subjective opinion that Sally's slightly better than you, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean it's true. Right. That's I just mean, that I've been one wrong a million opinion. times and yeah. I have great emotional intelligence. So why are we, like, don't get your feelings caught up. This is why I hate school. School trains people to believe in subjective opinions. Sure, as As, as law. grades or, every 90 yeah. days. And you just become a fucking robot. You just, like, play within mm-hmm. a system and we, like, lose sight of the bigger stuff. So humility is a huge mm-hmm. one, a mm-hmm. huge one. Uh, for content producers that are watching, one of the reasons I always talk about don't give a shit about the comments, it's not actually because of the hate. People think most of me, me talking about that is about the trolls, the hate, the negativity. I actually think the positivity is actually more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Once you get high on your own supply, oh, yeah, it's over. You, you become really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so for me at this point in my career, because I do have a lot of love coming my way, you know, I'm so glad I trained myself to not hear it one way or the other because it keeps you humble and grounded and keeps you curious. You know, curiosity I think is a massive mm-hmm. thing for success. Yeah. Well, when if you think you're the goat, you don't think you have to put in the work right. to be curious. You know how many Instagram goats are not putting in the work for right. Web3 and are gonna get passed by? You know how many Instagram goats didn't listen to me when I talked about TikTok and let it go by? Mm-hmm. Like, lack of humility and curiosity will keep you stuck in your spot forever. Yeah, that's right. I also think caring is a big piece of it. Like. We had someone pretty senior leave uh, last week and the person did not say goodbye to anyone in their peer group. Which Were they I upset, like, Were they upset I don't about know. leaving? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm they're, like, they're, that's listen, a pretty big statement. The, the I don't know, what, what is it, I don't even know if an Irish exit is like a bad like term. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the current politically correct statements are. I, I we're good you with probably that, right? Can't say we haven't canceled good. that, right? Yeah, I'm good with that, right? Yeah. But whatever that is. Why I'm, would Irish people leave early though? What's I have the, no idea where what, that bullshit. What is that about them? All I know is, let's just call it a Gary V exit because okay. I've lived in my whole life. I did it this weekend at NBA All-Star. Yeah. I You're literally like, just left Tyler the back. just left. Yeah. Just have no interest in the goodbye. And so, um, you know, I, maybe I, maybe that's the corporate version of that. Like I'm pretty empath. You know, I don't want to sit on this couch and be a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't think that would be the way I would roll in that environment. But um, I definitely think that people sometimes just, you know, They're like we're done. Yeah, I'm done. And and you may hear from that person in a month later. Yeah, yeah no, I, and that's I think the it's thing. Interesting. And that's the thing. I, I'm very big on this. The lack of, I think, having the ability not to judge might be the greatest gift of all time. You know, like when you just told me that, my brain immediately went into what's going on with them. Yeah. Right? It's never about you. 
And that's where, if like people ever figure that out, then you can have a really happy society. Yeah. People completely believe that other people's actions have something to do with them. It doesn't. It's like, I call it like the eighth grade zit rule. Okay. So in eighth grade, when you got a zit, you were like so fucking petrified to go to school. Yeah, everybody's going to see before, it. Fucking, it was You're trying way. every product imaginable. I, like, I went through puberty pretty late and got all my zits in like college, and, which really fucking sucked. Yeah. But, but like it wasn't too bad. But like I was good in high school. But like I know that feeling. And my point to everybody is everybody's worried about their zit. Yeah. Like when you come to school, yeah, nobody cares about your zit. They are fucking. You're, they're worried about their zit. Yeah, and the person right. that actually would pick on you for that, they're in the worst spot because they're so insecure that they're gonna attack you first before you get to them. Sure, they're gonna deflect off. Their and I zit. think, I think, yep. I think, the I think grownups just still play in high school. Yeah, yeah. Like I think we're in a place where like all the same shit keeps playing out, and I think a lot of what I wanted to talk about in this book was. Let's reframe shit because we can. Yeah. What, one quick question for you on this is how, what's your advice to people for how they train themselves, right? Because a lot of what you're talking about is self-control, humility, um, living by your values, thinking, having, like talk about yes. how you train yourself to have better soft skills. That's a great question. Um, I think, hence why I wrote this, I think it starts first with self-awareness. I think everybody has to look in the mirror and genuinely challenge themselves and say, what am I, what am I hiding? What am I full of shit about? The only way you can fix things is acknowledging them. Mm-hmm. I think we can learn a lot from alcoholism. Really, I mean it. I think we can learn a lot from other things, which is the first step is like owning it. Mm, the 12 step is what you mean. Yeah, I'm not educated enough, yeah. but on, on the program, I'm incredibly educated that there's no shot that you're going to fix it if you're still in the delusion that you don't have a problem. Correct, yep. I subconsciously knew the candor thing was fucked up. Mm-hmm. That just, you knew forever. Forever. Like, you it you was, knew in the 10.30 to 12.01 block how much that sucked, you knew it sucked. Yes, it would happen infrequently enough that the you net You could net, avoid it. That's yep. right. And, and it was a lack of accountability, which is my biggest strength in business, but of course, because it's my half, this is where I wasn't accountable. I'm like, Susan should have known she sucked. It was very does, obvious that Susan sucked. How the fuck does Ricky sucked. not get it? Yeah. Fucking Ricky. Like, he yeah. should, like, come on. Right? And it was also a level of ego. I would care about them so much because I go very family with employees mm-hmm. pretty fast. Like, I thought, well, they'll be better with me. Ricky stinks, so he might as well work here because he's definitely not going to do well out there. Yeah, you know? that's was, right. There, so there was a level of ego in also, it. Also, I is, can save Ricky. <clears throat> oh, my God. If, you know, the whole, like, the whole meme of, like, the girl that tries to fix the bad boy. Yeah. Oh my God, I would have been the worst girl. Yeah. Like I would have tried to fix every, I would have, that would have been you my would job. Have. That would have been my job 20, I would, yeah. that's the only dudes yeah. I would have dated, especially five o'clock shadow light yeah. eyes, I would have yeah. been dead. Yeah. So anyway, I, I. That man really, is irresistible. I really think that it comes down, the answer to your question is accountability and self-reflection and truly challenging yourself to have the combo. Hey, am I actually kind? Like hey, am I grateful? The reason gratitude is number one is the whole thing starts with gratitude. Mm-hmm. If, if the, anybody who lives in a first world country should really take a step back and understand that there's 850 million people, 850 million people, three times, almost three times the size of America. Right now, as we sit and film this, there are 850 million people that do not have access to clean water. Like what are we, what, you're yeah, complaining what are we, that you didn't, 
go viral on TikTok this yeah. month? Like you're upset that you're like, that like your Uber's five minutes late yeah. or you don't have Wi-Fi on United on the way back? Like, like yeah. we just aren't grateful. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, a, we're, we're not grateful. Yeah. Yep. We're not grateful. And if you're grateful, then all of a sudden you're just kind of chilling. Yeah. Right? You're like, what just changes your whole perspective? Life is only, pers- nothing's real. Mm-hmm. Like on some real shit. Nothing, like, it's a funny thing to say, but like, here's what I mean by that. If the political situation in the last decade in America hasn't taught you anything, is like humans have the ability to see what they want to see. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to be upset that your mom is challenging? Or do you want to be pumped that your dad's the best? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's your like, choice. Like, you choose. Like, you want to be pissed that you your job sucks? Or do you want to be happy that you got out of Ohio and you live in New York? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you can, like, decide these things. You're allowed. And I, I just wish that more people chose gratitude. Yep, that's a great call. Um, switching gears a little bit. For this audience, talk about Web3. So a lot of you in your 20s, 30s, and 40s don't realize that you just became your parents by dismissing NFTs. Mm -hmm. The same way you're shitting on NFTs is the same way that your parents shit on social media, shit on cell phones, shit on the internet. And like it's a cold shower for a lot of people to hear that. Mm -hmm. Like here's what, here's the point. Web3 is, means a lot of things, but the thing that we're all focusing on right now is the consumer blockchain. The blockchain is confusing to people because people bring their internet brain to the blockchain. The blockchain is different than the internet. It's decentralized mm-hmm. servers versus centralized servers. There's a lo- it allows for ownership. The internet doesn't. The joke of, well, I'm gonna right, cl- right click and save it. Well, I could take a photo with that dog in here and make pretend it's mine. Mm-hmm. Like, pe- oh, by the way, web two social media, people make way more pretend of owning something than on web three. Sure. Because ke- on web three, I can look up if your NFT in your bio is something you own. In Web3, in Web2 social media, the guys that go out on a Thursday night in Vegas or LA stand next to an expensive car and try to claim it mm-hmm. their own is much higher than mm-hmm. people talk about. Mm-hmm. Fake watches, fake handbags. Like, there's a lot of yeah, It's almost like Web3 is the antidote to It 100% to is. Web2. Yet everyone's making the hot take joke that you can right click and save, which is the ironic part of the whole thing. Uh, humans need to survive, need to love, and need to communicate. Food and water, shelter, uh, love, and, and most of and all, connection. we need to communicate. Mm-hmm. Humans talk a lot, we write a lot, we, we do a lot of things, but the number one way that human beings communicate is through the things they buy. It is the number one thing. The entire globally. Fashion, globally. The entire fashion industry would not exist if people didn't need to communicate through their purchases. Mm-hmm. Once people understand that truth, why somebody buys a Mercedes-Benz, why all of us are literally wearing the clothes we're wearing right now, the haircuts we have, the facial hair, like all of it, we need to communicate. NFTs are gonna create the biggest economic reality of our need to communicate. The reason kids want Fortnite skins is to flex in their world. Their world is Fortnite. Why does somebody want a blue check? Why do people come here and yeah, say, hey, I don't work here, can in I the a blue Instagram check? world. That's or... a digital thing. Yeah. You don't own that. You don't even own that. You're renting that from Instagram. Mm-hmm. But why do you want it? Why do you want a million followers? Why do you want it? We're living in a digital world. Mm. And the next step of that 
is ownership. But right now, everyone's focus is on the collectability and the art part with a hint of utility. Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen over the next decade is it's gonna be utility. That's where you'll see the blockchain really shine. It will be utility with a hint of collectability. Okay, so give, it, give an example of that. You buy a Louis Vuitton bag uh, and uh, they give you a receipt, but it's an NFT. That's a utility, you have gotta get a receipt. But that piece of art was done by a young female artist that seven years later got famous and now your receipt is worth $8,000 mm-hmm. and you sell it. That's taking a mundane piece of paper, throwing garbage. Madison Square Garden, not too far from here. Six years from now, you go to the game, it's not a QR code, it's an NFT. Mm-hmm. The NFT read it, it's a collectible. That night, the brawny drops 90 points in the garden mm-hmm. and everybody goes crazy. Now that becomes a collectible. Yeah, sure. You're, leaving, I was you're leaving the garden and you're getting offers for $400 for that NFT because it's a collectible. But it was a utility, it got you into the place. Your triple bracelet at Coachella, it's an NFT. Six years later, people are collecting the little, so there's a hint of collectability, but it was utility. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's gonna happen is for Coachella, instead of bullshit bracelets, an NFT with some design on it, and then you sell it for 800 bucks, they're getting, great 10, margin. Yeah. They're, they're getting 10% royalties. Everybody's getting into the record business, everybody's getting into the publishing business, and it's gonna affect everything. Music, no longer are you gonna sign with a record label, you're gonna sell an NFT to get 20% of the royalties of your new project. Mm-hmm. Now your fans are making a piece of the money from Spotify, not the label. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to change the world and everybody is underestimating. What about uh, consume to earn? What about, what about if I check in with my wallet on Barstool and after six hours of consuming video, I get a free get, NFT? Yep. So talk yeah. a little bit about how you, how you, you incentivize uh, the book. Right, so this book is like, will always be a legendary book in the book world because I sold a million, 1.2 million copies in three hours, which is insanity. I mean, almost no book ever reaches a million copies sold and it was because if you bought 12 copies of this book, I gave you an NFT. Now, what's really crazy is a lot of people got made fun of it on Twitter and social when this was going down because people were like, bought 960 books. And of course, if you're like having dinner that night, how, what'd you do today? Ironically, I bought 960 copies of the same <laughs> book. They're like, what? But what ended up happening is the NFT that I dropped in December is called VFriends Book Games. So I turned it into like this game. All of the tokens are worth a fortune more. They're double, triple what people paid for it, plus they got the books. and some people got very rare ones. I mean, there was a guy who bought 24 books and got one of the characters, the Time Machine Tiny Ogre. There's only 15 of them out of the 125,000. Mm-hmm. He bought 24 books, AKA $480. Yeah, what's his so- NFT worth? He sold his NFT for 128,000, I think. It's amazing. Good for him. Good for him. That's an entrepreneur. Yeah, but that's lottery and like Mazel Tov. But more importantly, every single person that bought the books, I think the price right now of the floor of book games is like 0.25, right? Something in that range. And at the price that it's currently at, like you're really talking about $500. So like minimally, no matter what, every person that spent 240 got the 12 books. Many use them as gifts, donated to high schools, all this other stuff. But they also got an asset. Plus that asset is going to be the way that you get series on the friends list to series two V friends which has a ton of hype going into the spring this year, which will have another chance. But this is what I love about being an owner of an NFT project. You can make it valuable mm-hmm. for your audience. You're the central bank. Sure. 
Every, everybody sees people with audiences come in and they, they get worried, is it gonna be bad? It should be good if the person has good intent. Yep. Gary Vee, you're a fucking genius. I love you. I love you're you just inspiring to me. All right, five questions. Let's do it. First 30 minutes of your morning. Pretty, pretty mundane. In the first 30 minutes, I'm doing like, you know, shower, poopy, you know, brush my teeth. Shower, shit, shave, you're not shaving. I don't shave often, but like, yes. Coffee? Um, yes, I like coffee. Kind of just makes me feel like the day's starting. Grabbing um, your phone, not grabbing your phone. Immediate grab phone. I know a lot of people are doing the whole progressive yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, that's not like, for you. Not for me. I need to, I'm a firefighter. I have offices in Singapore, London. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I have to make sure nothing is burning down. Yeah. I don't right. have that luxury. Yep. That's and what you being, also love it. You love what you do. I do love it, but that's the, but honestly, it's not the best part of the job. Like this is where I'm in love with the number two or the number three or the number yeah. four for a lot of, unless you have the stomach to be a number one, it's not exciting to wake up and be like, oh, what are the problems? Yeah. All I do is like, what are the problems? Yeah, you're like, uh -huh. that's what I, my day is like. All right, what's something you do every that day? That was a with, fire hose, not a gun, everybody. Yeah, no, I don't know, it depends on who you <laughs> ask, but um, what's something you do every day without fail? I, every day, I have a moment where I just say thank you that nobody I love died. Okay. Every day. Every day. It really works for me. It's the ultimate version of gratitude. I'm just grateful that the people I love are still with me today. Yep. It's big for me. Um, do you make any time to do the yard sale thing anymore? Oh yeah, I'm like literally like, literally it was a little warm in New York the last couple yeah, of days. Yeah, this weekend I'm like, was amazing. I'm like, it's coming. Like, it's season's um, um, here. Trash talk is very important to me because when I talk about NFTs or I talk about investing in startups or I talk about the stuff we talked about here, many people DM me and say things like, Gary, I only have $90, so I'm not buying shit. And so that kept building, kept building, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna start making content of what I did when I had mm -hmm. $90. In high school and college, when I had no fucking money at all and I wanted it, I garage sailed. And I didn't even have eBay yet. Like, I used to buy this shit and sell it at flea markets. That was fucking hard. When my brother was a kid 11 years younger than me and we started doing it, we had eBay and that was insane. Early eBay, you got really paid yeah. in garage selling. Um, and it's been, it's, uh, it's probably the thing I'm most excited about. The amount of people that hit me up and say, hey, I made $8,000 this summer. And, and you're like, so fired up, it's, it's like your it's, victory. And it's emotional stuff. Yeah. It's, hey, I made $8,000, I paid down some credit card yeah. debt and I'm taking my kids to Disney World this Christmas. Yeah. Like that's some like tear shit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it feels nice on, instead of like sleeping in on a Saturday. I think that you are such a hunter. When I think about you, I think you're such 100%. a hunter. You're just a 100%. hunter. And then, but you also have this rare gift where you're not just out for you. Like you're sharing your hunting, which I think is so generous. It's something I'm very, you know, thank you. I think that's right. And it's again, back to humility. It's like, I got the luck of the draw of great parenting circumstance and DNA. But yeah, I don't, I want everybody who allocates any time to consuming me to win too. Yeah, that's right. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't come out of me. All right, what's something that surprised you this week? That's a great question. Uh, I was surprised that I was. I'm going to think about Cleveland, the All Star Weekend. What was the most surprising thing there? Uh, that people are really affected by cold. You know, don't like I, it. Don't like it. I was born in the Soviet Union, so like cold is like cool for me. Like I'm good with it. Um, uh, Evan Mobley's gonna be a beast, the Cleveland rookie. He's like the next Tim Duncan. So that, Are I knew- Are you following he, the Ukraine thing closely? I am. Yeah, okay, you good. Know, when you're from that part of the world. Yeah, you should, yeah. You're just closely attached yep. to it. Yep, um, what gives you hope right now? 
people give me hope. I think human beings are massively underrated. I'm very in tune and aware that everyone's super hot on saying how much we suck right now. I see it the complete other way. I think that people are grossly underestimated. Every day there are trillions of people doing wonderful things for other people. And uh, human beings give me tremendous hope. We are infatuated with nitpicking what somebody else is doing poorly. We've become in love with pointing fingers. We love slinging shame. And it's really unfortunate because most people are really coming from a good place. And, uh, and I hope we get to a different energy around this issue. Yeah, it'd be nice if everybody could see purple and kind of work in purple. Um, what's a business you're investing in now besides NFTs? NFT infrastructure. I'm full, I'm pot committed. You're all in. I'm pot committed yeah. Web3. You know, I don't play poker, but I'm dangerous enough to know that I don't know this, but I know real poker players can look at the board and know they have the best hand, the nuts, right? Mm-hmm. That's how That's how I'm playing Web3. This is the best You're hand. all in. This I'm is Gary's bet. I'm 100% back. sure. I need to learn. Here's the thing. Even if all of the bets lose, I need to learn everything. Yeah, you're like, Because the tuition. entire world is going it's to tuition. be. It's tuition. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, Gary Vee, thanks for doing this. Thanks I for appreciate me. you so much. Congratulations. So 